When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. everybody we are live here at hockeyroyalty.com doing a live show for the la kings and joe and i've done a couple for the rain getting the first one down for the kings here we got a full house here today a newcomer to the hockey royalty fam kiffin how you doing my man doing good doing good enjoying uh enjoying doing everything so far enjoying the writing you know it's kind of an obsession of mine so to do it in a in a more uh in a more enjoyable way is nice <laughs> you're doing uh, it looks like you're wearing that outdoor jersey uh who are you sporting on the back uh nobody nobody i mean it, it was on sale so i mean you, you don't get to choose but i'll probably put somebody on there maybe uh maybe byfield or depending on how he does maybe jersey nice nice and joe welcome uh welcome in man how you doing always doing well always a pleasure to chat with you Randon. how's things going for you on this tuesday evening it's going good you know i went uh did the uh lord of the rings trilogy in the last couple days uh extended edition so nice solid uh 12 hours of, of watching when all my prep uh, all my prep work uh for the podcast this week and then getting ready for the the blizzard we're supposed to be getting snow here up in dallas uh weather down to 15 degrees yeah so it's gonna be uh pretty crazy i know that's nothing for you up there you're you're probably oh. wish that's shorts weather but when they say snow in dallas what does that mean what are you prepping for how many are you getting? Well, last year, last year there was six inches of yeah. snow whoa, in whoa, Dallas, whoa. and like the whole city shut down, like pipes were bursting, all that kind of stuff. Six and inches. so uh, I don't know what this storm is supposed to be like, but we're going to see there uh, as far as that goes. And then our fourth guy is Russell. He's uh, uh, looks like he's dealing with some technical difficulties. He will be back. Uh, all of our fans listening right now, feel free to get in the chat, ask some questions, 
comments, whatever. We always like the fan participation. Let's start it off quick here, boys. Uh, let's start with our first one, impressions of the rookies. Right, We've had several rookies come into the fold this season, whether it be from one game or multiple games. Uh, we'll start it off with Kiffin. Who's been your uh, Who's been your favorite rookie so far? Uh, like, like I, like I said in the open right there, Jersey without question. Um, you know, from, from the moment he got called up, he's, he's, he was playing well, he skates well, he sees the ice. Um, one thing that, that like I'm re- that I really enjoy about him is watching him on the power play. I mean, he's not afraid to shoot. He really reads the ice well. Um, a lot of the time, me because I don't, you know, I don't get to go to games living in Texas. But you know, a lot of the shots of him when he's on TV, he's looking up, he's looking around, he's paying attention to what's going on. I mean, it's you know that trade, the Muzzin trade was so painful for Kings fans. You know, it's hard to see Muzz go, but to get Dursey in return and really watch him kind of blossom on the blue line and watch him, you know, hopefully bring some life back into the power play has been awesome. Uh, I think I think Byfield could overtake him as rookie of the year. I mean, seeing him finally put one in the net was nice, but uh, it's got it's got to be Dursey for me. Yeah, I mean he he's been he's been fantastic, and I I you know I would agree with you that that was mine as well. And I think a lot of things that's underrated is is right now is is that uh, the shooting percentage for the Kings while he is on the ice is nine percent. So he's one of the top five on the team in that he's creating offensive chances not only with his skating but with his shooting. Joe, what have you seen from Jersey? And is is he your player? Or do you got something new to bring to the floor? No, he he is mine. He is mine because and and Randon, we talked about him before the season started. I did the player preview on him for the rain. Really excited about what what he could bring to the table. Um, so I'm I'm just pumped that he got his shot and he's taken it and he's he's excelled. He's been awesome. The only other so I, so I agree full marks on on all of it right now. And I would say he's still. This speaks to how well he was in Ontario. He's still second among defensemen in assists in Ontario, only to Jordan Spence, who's been on an absolute tear lately. So um, Jersey's been so good all season. I'm really happy to see him get that shot. The only other name I'll throw out there, and it may be a little bit of a surprise, is Kalia because. And he may not be the Kaliev that we expected, right? Being this top six forward, which I know I was hoping he'd get more of a look at at the start of the season and scoring all these goals. He's playing a, a nightly role on a line that's been very productive for the Kings, whether it's productive just from a, an overall game standpoint, but also he, he they're chipping in offensively. I think he's really – it's this has been a really good year for him in terms of getting his feet wet and learning the NHL game. So I'm going to throw Kaliev's name in the hat as well, but uh, it's hard not to just love what Jersey's done. Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. And, and to catch you up there, Russell, we have two votes for Jersey as uh, the most impressive rookie. Uh, oh, he just bounced back out. So I don't I don't know what his computer's doing, but I really liked I really liked uh, what you said about Kaliev and him adding a defensive ability to his game, um, and and all that kind of stuff like that. So you know you definitely have some some people who uh, have loved the what Jersey has brought. You know, and, and he's been the afterthought of that trade from Muzzin. Um, you know, a lot of people were really excited about the first uh, first round pick and Grunstrom. We got to see a lot earlier, and so um, it's it's been nice to finally get some do and some offense ability from that blue line. So let's uh, let's uh, take this question here from Richard, and then we'll go on to the next topic. Uh, Richard says, "How hard, happy are you with this road trip? What things should the Kings work on in practice during the All Star break?" Uh, Joe, go ahead and take that one. Well, it's hard not to be impressive with this road trip. Uh, they're getting points all over the place. They've got some big wins. The toughest thing is going to just let's let's not have a letdown against uh, a, a team in Detroit that you probably should beat. But it's the last game of the trip right before a break. 
you know, it's going to be, that's one that you, you, you want to try to find a way to get points. And I think that's the biggest thing is the Kings have found a way to get points uh, in tough buildings on a tough road trip. So I, I'm very happy with the road trip. And as far as what they need to work on, I don't think I'm going to, you know, be breaking any news that the special teams has not been very good. Right. So, so that's something that needs to improve. And, and listen, the coaches, they know that. And, and whether it's something they need to work on, whether it's something they need to tweak personnel, you know, Hey, that, that's, I guess we'll see what they come out of the break with, but um, I think it's obviously special teams. that's the biggest hindrance right now to the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. Technical difficulties there from Russell. We'll see if we can get that figured out. Let's move it on. Uh, new additions been advertised, right? So we brought in quite a few players uh, over here on free agency, including Edler, Arvidsson, and Deneau, and, and you know, uh, uh, much maligned through some people uh, in the hockey world that you know Deneau is in a second line center. Arvidsson's past his prime with his shooting, and Ed and Edler is not going to be able to hold up to the the rigors of 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 being there uh, all the time. And they've and they've produced quite a, uh, quite well this year. Joe, what have you seen from from the additions, and maybe who's been who's been the most effective? Uh, I would say I was pleasantly surprised with with Adler. I did not have high expectations for him, but he played really well. It's really I feel for the fact that he he's down and got you know had that injury, so that's that's too bad. Um, for me, Sean Der, or Sean Dersey, um, uh, Phil Deneau has been so impressive. Uh, he talk about as advertised is a guy that just dominates the possession game. He, he's a great possession player. His defensive, his two-way game, he, he's he's such a, a an important defensive piece, and it, I think it has taken some of the load off of Andre Kopitar. But he's also contributed offensively too. I mean, Deneau is not just this guy that that uh, you know is, is such a good defensive player that doesn't contribute much going forward. He's been very good, and for me, the most kind of as advertised, most impressed, the guys that I've been most happy with has been filled in. Oh, I think he's filled that second line center slot perfectly for me. What do you think, Kevin? Um, so I'd, lo- I'd like to start with uh, no offense to Dave Poyle, but clearly Rob Blake fleeced him on that Arvidsson trade. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, Arvidsson has been fantastic for the team. Um, as far, as far as the new guys, I mean, Alex Edler, uh, you know, uh, going back to 2011, 2012, back in the days with the rivalry with Vancouver. I mean, I was not a big Alex Edler fan, but as that died down, you know, started to watch him. I thought he was great. He played really, really well for us. You know, he, he really, uh, he really held the, the line. Um, Dano is has been has been amazing. I remember, you know, when we signed him, I sent my buddy a text. I said, "Oh my god, we got Dano. We we did it. We did it." You know, I mean, he's he's fifty four point eight percent in the dot. You know, he's he's absolutely a great faceoff player. I mean, you're not going to win a hundred percent of your faceoffs, but the the big thing that gets me about Dano is is his plus minus. Like that's it, the king. The Kings have as of right now, they've got a plus four goal differential, but Dano is still a plus fourteen. You know, to be that high on a team that that isn't that is kind of even on scoring, it's just incredible. It's incredible, and I just like to mention real quickly because they are newcomers, and so is Trevor Moore in a way. The Mad Line overall has like combined <laughs> for like seventy three points since you know this year. Not, and obviously, not all of them have been playing together, but I mean, like, I mean, they're they're that's incredible. What chemistry? What chemistry? The Mad Line, huh? Oh What's yeah, I mean, we got we got to name them silly things. I mean, don't forget that '70s line was a thing in LA. I mean, <laughs> Russell, right. which new addition has has been the has been the greatest for you? I know they've both mentioned Deneau as, as probably their number one. Maybe you could speak on how you've seen at, at the stadium an Arvidsson and what he's brought to the team that that maybe uh, 
he, as the season's got on, he's gotten progressively better. Yeah, he has gotten progressively better. Um, it seems like anywhere he's on the ice and anywhere, he's, anytime he has the puck, he's going to shoot it. So it doesn't matter if he's on the other, other, his own blue line, he'll throw it on the ice, he'll throw it on net. But yeah, he's looked good. Um, unfortunately, he's been kind of in and out of the lineup throughout the first half. And, but now that we've seen him consistently playing alongside Deneau and more on that second line, uh, there's a lot to like right there. I mean, Arvidsson is putting up the, some of the best anal- analytical numbers uh, of his career. Uh, the only thing that's kind of cold holding him back right now is the shooting percentage. But you're starting to see a little bit more of those uh, pucks start going into the net with uh, off of the stick playing with Deneau. So hopefully that continues going forward. Yeah, I think the whole I think Deneau has been the stabling force within uh, the second line. I know we were getting um, fleece quite a bit last year with Filardi up there. Not the Corsi numbers. I know you're a big stat guy. Not not generating a lot of chances. And, and the Kings are have the the third most shots uh, per game average. Um, you know, hopefully that starts to equate to more goals and we'll get to that later on in the offensive things. Uh, but th- those three players, uh, all three hits, in my opinion, um, as far as signing them in, whether it be uh, for the one year deal as an Edler or a guy that's going to be a staple of our, of our team going forward. And it looks like he was very underutilized in Montreal and in Deneau. So something something great there. Let's go to a couple questions before we move on. Uh, let's start right here from Wine uh, Walters. What would you guys say to trying to pick up Chikrin both? To boost the blue line and the power play, I think we're all po- I think we're all pro that. Yeah, if, if our if our chats are are uh, are indicative, then we definitely are. Um, you know, we actually we actually published an article today about Ben Chirot and uh, you know the the sort of steadiness that he could bring to the blue line. Um, I think Chikrin could really open up the power play and kind of give us give us more options you know i talked about dirty and the way that he you know that he sees the ice the way that he quarterbacks that power play to to maybe run a second line with dowdy and dowdy and chikrin on on the blue line and you know keep maybe kempe and jersey on the top line i think would really would probably lead to more shooting chances because i think that's that's where that's where we're suffering most of the time it's just taking shots i'm all in on chikrin um or at least the idea of that type of defenseman he's under term uh, good, good, uh, you know, good cap hit. So I know there's, there's, I'm not in on Sherrod. Like if they're going to do it, if the Kings are going to go get that guy on the left side, go get the guy like, like a, an impact guy, like a chicken. And I don't care, like obviously within some reason, but I know there's concern of like, well, Sherrod would come cheaper. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to pay at some point to get, get this guy. So I'm in on chicken. I hope they are able to find a way to make it happen. I don't know if it'll be this season, maybe an off season thing, but Chikrin or somebody of the like, I'm in on. So let's, uh, let's go to another question here. We got, um, do you expect Velarde to see any time with the big team this year? Russell, you want to take this one? Yeah, right now, it's kind of hard to see. I mean, they're kind of trying him out in the wing. He's always been a center uh, coming up through throughout his time in juniors and then um, in a short stint with the Kings, but now he's playing the wing. He's been looking pretty good there. Um, and with anybody he's really playing with. So if we can see a little bit more, I think the thing that with Velarde, there was always some kind of question with his effort on the ice. You kind of just noticed it whenever you saw him playing. I mean, you know the skill and talent is there. You're just kind of waiting for it to, to exude on the ice, and it, we just really haven't seen that happen. I mean, we've seen it happen in flashes, but it hasn't been consistent. And unfortunately, with it was looking pretty good at the start of the season with Anderson and Kachev on that line. 
we all know how much I love Vladimir Kachev and who, who knows what he would have brought if he was staying on, on the was scoring. But um, it's been just another disappointing kind of start to the year for Velarde. But now we're starting to see him thrive in the AHL and, and be uh, that goal scorer that we thought he could be playing on the wing. So I hope that continues. Yeah, there's the, the, always always the thing is has been where where are you going to put him? Um, I know you're going to have to make some moves. Somebody's going to have to get sacrificed. Or and Joe and I've talked about it on the Making It Rain podcast. Maybe they trade away to open up a spot. You know, trade away a, a guy with a one year contract. Whether you, whether it's uh, Leah Anderson or Athanasiu or or Grunstrom, who's an RFA, trade him away to open up a spot to make room for a Velarde or uh, one of those players who are scoring in, in, in for the rain. Kiffin, what were you going to say before I jumped in there? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't know that I see it. I don't know that I see the roster spot for Velarde. Um, he's got a good shot. He's got good legs. But I mean, there's there's something to be said about fitting into the system. And you know, one of the one of the ways that teams win is to fit in, is to have guys who not just buy in, but they can actually play it. I just don't see Velarde thriving under Todd McClellan. That's that's my biggest issue with him. I think he's a great player. I love watching him with the rain, but I, I don't I don't think that he can play that kind of hockey. Uh, I, so I kind of think I agree with both those, both Russ and Kiffin, but just because I, right now, I don't think there is a spot for him. That said, I think there can be a spot for him. I think I'm of the belief that they actually don't need to go acquire or at least spend a lot, I should say, to acquire a forward, because I think Velarde can be that, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about the off or excuse me, the, the preseason where his line kind of ripped it up a bit, right. With Lee Anderson and Kachev, they, they had a great preseason, but if you look at their numbers, they were getting hemmed in and i know it's a short small sample but they were not good possession wise they ended up scoring goals and i guess at the end of the day that's what it's there for but they were not a very good line it was a little bit of a uh was a little bit misleading so it wasn't a shock to see him struggle as a center in the nhl i think he's i hate to say it, i think he's proven he, he's not a center in the nhl he's been great on the wing in, in ontario and the second he got sent down i said let him let him get as many games as he needs to be in Ontario, he has the potential to be an impact top six winger for the Kings, potentially this season. And I think he's a guy that they could bring up as that kind of trade acquisition, if you will, if they decide to do that. To Kiffin's point right now, there really isn't a spot for him, but that's okay. Let him continue to marinate and get that that figured out. And then as if spots open up around the deadline, he can come up then. Yeah, I think I think I think you're looking at that spot there, and, and what he's got is that shot, right? He's got over a ten ten uh, percent shooting percentage in almost every single uh, year that he's been a pro, and 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 he's been fantastic in the power play in the, in that dot area, and it's something that we need on the Kings. It's just a, the the where do you put him? Who do you send down? And then you know how much uh, loyalty are they going to give to Brown? Right, Brown as as West Coast Hockey here says, you know, only has one uh, point on the power play this year. How much? How much? Uh, um, you know, loyalty you didn't get to give to him. I mean, he's done everything that you've asked for him to be a king uh, for the rest of his career. But uh, at, at one point, you know, we're in a shot to win and be in the playoffs. Do they need, still need to start? They do, do they need to start make some adjustments in order to to be more productive? So that's something that we need to definitely look at. And, and the Olympic break is, or what it consists of the Olympic break is going to be their chance to try some of that out in um, in practice. Let's switch up to the next topic here. Uh, the goalie tandem. So obviously quick has been better than advertised, uh, you know, stepped in in the middle part of the season. Uh, Cal's been uh, now uh, coming on. I think he's three in his own his last couple starts. Uh, he's over 60% uh, at quality start effectiveness. And so what do we think of this goalie tandem? Uh, is it what you thought coming into the season? And, and where do you think it kind of shakes out as the we get to the the stretch there? 
Russell, you want to start on this one? Yeah, it was, it's been a lot more surprising than we thought it would be coming into the season, that's for sure. I mean, I guess everybody thought it would be Cal Peterson taking the, th- taking the throne, but obviously it's been Jonathan Quick that's been the number one goalie throughout the, the first half of the season. So, I mean, coming out of the break, though, that shortened or COVID holiday break, whatever they wanted to call it, um, coming out of the break, Cal Peterson was looking pretty good, and he's been looking pretty good the last couple of games. So if that is able to continue – I mean, you're looking at one of the better goaltending tandems in the Pacific Division. I mean, Vegas only has really one guy. They're kind of shuffling people in and out. And Anaheim's got John Gibson and no one else. So, I mean, who else do you have to really fight with up there? So, I mean, look at Edmonton's goalie issues right now. So They have I negative mean, they, two goalies. Yeah, exactly. They have nobody. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, if, if, if that can continue going forward throughout the end of the season, then, yeah, you're, it's looking pretty good for the Kings. What do you think there, Joe? Yeah, uh, I was, I think, as Russ kind of alludes, I was way off with this. I fully expected Cal Peterson to kind of take this and, and run with it, and it hasn't happened. And a lot of that's in credit to, to Jonathan Quick. Um, but part of it was Peterson struggled during the, during the early part of the year. But I found something that was a little bit interesting. I thought last season what, what really was a, a, a big deal for Calvin Peterson was when he was at, at five on five, he was one of the best goalies in the league at high danger save percentage this year, despite his struggles, right? He's had a little bit of a, an up and down season. He is top six, I believe, as I'm looking at this from hockey, uh, uh, from money puck, excuse me, top six in high danger save percentage. So he's still one of the top goalies in the league in, in high danger save percentage where he's struggling right now, ironically, is the low danger or slash medium danger save percentage. So, you know, take those numbers for, you know, I know everybody has their different opinions on, on, on some of the analytics and stuff like that. But if you were to bet on a guy to improve, I like the chances of the guy that's making the saves, the tough saves. And I, I, I think he'll make, the, he'll make the saves he's supposed to make those, those quote unquote low danger saves as we go forward. So I'm still in on Cal Peterson. I think he can, he can be the guy, but I think, it's good right now that he's got Jonathan Quick playing as well as he has because it's allowed him to kind of work through some of the issues that he may be at, has had. Kiffin, what do you think about that? What's been said so far? Uh, so I, I I pretty much agree. I mean, I'm 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 one of those people who's kind of living with concern. I mean, I, I like Cal. I think he's one one of the things that I see the most about Cal is that he's got good fundamental fundamentals. And Jim Fox mentions it probably seven to eight times every broadcast. But you know, he's he's really he stays in the crease the right way, and you know, he he makes sure that he that he does everything exactly the way that a goalie should. At the end of the day, um, you know, one of the things that I see the most that is troubling to me is that Cal Cal has problems when the Kings are on on the penalty kill. Um, very few games are you going to play are you not going to play shorthanded and he he seems to lose track of the puck uh during the during the penalty kill it's something that i've seen game in and game out he just kind of you know good passing gets gets the puck away from him but having quick having such a resurgence season and really starting a competition between the two as to who's going to take you know who's going to take the limelight and eventually on the off chance that the kings make it to the playoffs who's really going to make those starts it's it's going to be good for him he seems to he seems to have taken a mindset of competition and it's it's only going to drive him up uh my one my one stat that i found which was interesting was uh his scoring save his scoring chance save percentage uh this year is the highest it's been in his full professional seasons it's at 0.895 so he he is improving the numbers are there they show that he's improving it's just you know for this year i'm a little worried about him but i think i think he he really is the heir apparent and he's going to be great 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they move uh, as the season goes on. You've seen Quick get back to back starts. You've seen Cal get back to back starts, even with Quick playing well. I think um, you know T Mac is definitely trying to find a rhythm there, and who knows what it's going to be with all the protocols and stuff this season down the stretch. If a goalie needs to make three starts in a row, you know, getting them accustomed to doing that kind of thing. But I think Russell said that we are in the best situation in the Pacific, and if it comes down to a stretch, um, you never know with uh, having your starting goalie come out. You know what that'll do in the point standing. So let's uh, flip it over to a question here from Jordan Reyes. Uh, do you guys think the Kings will go in on Philip Forsberg? in free agency no anybody can take so. i hope so i'm i've always been a big forsberg fan the tough part is with free agency you just are gonna tend to probably hate that contract in a few years it's just the nature of the business because guys don't become unrestricted free agents until their late 20s you know mid to late 20s probably 27 years old or so so to sign a guy to a seven-year deal you're signing him into his mid-30s so you just run that risk of, is it worth it in the back half of the deal? But I, I love the idea of Phil Forsberg. I think he's a, uh, he's an outstanding forward and talk about a guy that could fit exactly what the Kings are needing on that first line uh, wings position, because, you know, they've, they've juggled that around a lot this season. Um, fortunately for the Kings, Kempe has had a, had a huge breakout year, but I, I really like the idea of Phil Forsberg. He, he's a different. He's a bona fide star. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I think where we run into is cap space. I mean, yeah. you know, you talk about you talk about holding on to somebody for a long time. I mean, he's he's going to be the guy who demands good money, and he's earned it. But you know, I, I, I don't see us fitting him in the cap space. I think it's a it's a waste a waste of good space that we're going to need to sign good players down the road that we've drafted. Um, we gotta we gotta look to we gotta look to our system before we look outside. Outside buffers what you have, and we did that with Victor Arvidsson and Phil Deneau. Let's go. Uh, let's get another question in here. Um, let's see. We had one more before we moved on. Oh, I guess not. All right. Let's go uh, over here. Better than expected. So, uh, you know, based on what you we had last uh, last season and what we knew of the players and the contracts and everything like that, uh, obviously there were some expectations on where we thought the team would be and where we thought certain players would be. Which player for you has risen above that and is playing better than expected for you this year? Kiffin, you want to start this one off? Uh, yeah, and I'm 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 probably going to be uh, in the minority here, but uh, Brandon Lemieux, I, you know, I, I I've loved every moment that he's been on the ice. Uh, one of the things that we lost uh, as the as the 2012 and 2014 teams uh, started to dissipate, get traded, you know, traded and not resigned was that that kind of grit, that that mentality of I'm here to to be a part of the team, to defend the team, do what I have to do. And I mean, Lemieux's just been fantastic. He's not putting up great numbers scoring wise. You know, but his possession numbers are good. He's not afraid to get into the gritty areas. And man, what whatever he puts in Lazat's water that makes Blake Lazat follow <laughs> people around with the puck is just fantastic. So yeah, I would say really that whole line, honestly. We talked about it earlier, just that whole bot that whole energy line that we have is that they're they're all performing way above expected. And I wasn't very hot on Lazat when he signed, so I think to, to to harness your point in there, he's third on the team right now in Corsi four at fifty eight point seven percent, and the, you know their whole drive and everything, adding that physical element. I think that's a great pick. What do you think, Joe? Who's uh, who's playing better than what you thought this season? Adrian Kempe. I did not have very high expectations for him. I think you know that. I wrote a piece in the right before the season that I thought that he listen. I thought he had a role. I didn't think he was a player that was a a 
not a, not a good NHL player, not a good fit for the Kings. Like I didn't see him as a top six winger. I didn't think he could finish enough. His shooting percentage historically, even dating back to his younger years, wasn't anything that was something that you saw him spike, like even mid, mid-teens percentages. So I wasn't sure if the expectation should be that he will do that. Um, I was wrong. Adrian Kempe has been awesome. I'm now in on Adrian Kempe. And I also wrote a piece maybe a month or so ago that said, so you know what? He, this isn't fake. This is, this is real. Like what he's doing is, is legit. Um, so I'm, I'm in on Kempe now. He's made me a believer, uh, full marks to him. He has taken the reins on that first line left wing with Kopitar. He's, he's playing first unit on the power play. Uh, and he's earned it, and I think he's doing a heck of a job with it. So for me, for my expectations, I thought he was more of that third-line, middle, like great third-line player, solid maybe middle six, but more of a defensive side, if you will. Uh, and he's turned into a legitimate top six first-line winger. And so for me, it's Kempe. Go ahead, Russell. What do you, what do you got? Yeah, actually, my my pick was going to be Brendan Lemieux. So you're not in the minority there, Kiffin. But since since you took him too, and uh, I unfortunately missed the rookie pot uh, segment, I'll I'll pick Sean Dersey. I mean, he just kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, we weren't when we were talking about the defensive prospects with the Kings. I mean, Sean Dersey, I don't want to say he was more of an afterthought, but he wasn't top of the list. I mean, among the the players that Kings had coming up, so the fact that he's been able to put up the type of numbers that he's putting up. He's currently third among among all rookie defensemen in points per game, and it's actually the highest points per game total since Lubomir Vizhnovsky in two thousand two thousand one. So he's putting up some he's putting up some some pretty good numbers for a rookie in the short time that he's been playing. So it's been great to see, and it's been really surprising to see. And you you gotta love it from a King's point of view. Yeah, I think I think Jersey's been fantastic, and Lemieux's been adding something to this team, and and I'm glad to be right about one player uh, in in Kempe. So you know, Joe, you are, oh, you Joe, are, dinner whenever we meet uh, or whatever. I will but test that. I think I think West Coast bias is for me has got his honorable mentions. My guy within Trevor Moore. Um, I thought I was going to be Good right job. with him. I thought I was going to be right with him uh, in the beginning of the year. He was playing, for lack of a better word, like garbage in my opinion. I just didn't really see notice notice him on the ice. And maybe he was doing a lot of the small stuff that T Mac likes, to, you know, to keep him getting playing time. But now you're starting to see the points and and the skill arrive. And I don't know if that's just the Deno factor because it doesn't matter to see who plays with Deno. Their 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 points go up. So maybe it's just uh you know who's your who are you playing with and everything like that. But I really have enjoyed it. I know that um, both Ryan and Russell got to go on all the Kings men, and you know they busted out the stats there that. that uh, that he has been uh, has the most points in a month since uh, Andre Kopitar. So uh, it was at over 15 in a month. He's the last. He's the next player to do it or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely somebody who is who is coming on. And I really like his game and the fact that he's adapting it to whatever line he's playing on and what it needs. And it's not like he's changing it completely. But you know, if you really need a lot of checking and all this kind of stuff like that, he does that. Uh, if you need somebody to finish right now on the second line, he's doing that. Uh, he's really just kind of. Um, you know, giving exactly what the line needs, no matter where he's slotted. And he's somebody you could see play anywhere from the second to fourth line, uh, you know, as pieces come up and, and go down. Cause like, he's, um, you know, he's got another year on his contract. So I really appreciated what he's brought to the table. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's take, let's take another question here. Uh, <clears throat> see, what are your thoughts on Kupari being a scratch for so many games? I think he's a good winger for Byfield and should get a look. Anybody want to take this one? Uh, Ooh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. I, 
I've always wanted Rasmus Kupari. I've always envisioned him to be a winger with the Kings. I mean, you just look at the centers and the way that he plays the game of hockey. He's a speed skater. I mean, he needs open space, open ice, and he's always good going up the wings. And he's just, I, I just don't envision him being a center with the Kings. And I think in the few games that we've seen him play on the wing with the Kings, he's looked pretty good. And in the games that he had to play on the center, he was looked, he was looked kind of mediocre. Um, it's been unfortunate to kind of watch Rasmus Party. I was expecting more out of him this year. I was expecting him to be the next rookie after to, to be in line to jump up and make a step this year on, and crack the lineup full time. But we really haven't seen that, unfortunately, the last couple of games. So it's been, I don't want to say disappointing, but it, you just been unfortunate to see him sit in the press box because the Kings have been winning so many games without him. So what do you do with him? Do you send him back down to the Ontario, maybe before the Calder Cup finals, see if maybe you get some time down there? I would say that's probably the case, the best case for him right now. I, I do you think, think that team, I'm going to ask awesome. Russell a question because he's always in the, the press boxes there. Do you think uh, he's the person that T-Mac was alluding to that you can show, you know, the horse where water is, but you can't force him to drink? And, and you know, referring to like, like he shows all these flashes, but he can't put it together consistently? I think that's exactly the player that he was talking about. He's not talking about Alex Turcott. Alex, that was Alex Turcott's what fourth, fifth game in the NHL. It's not Sammy Fagamo, though. I think that was his first. So, yeah. I mean, let's see what other rookie. It's just it's just got to eliminate all of them and then pick the right one that's left. So, unfortunately, it's Rasek Kupari, and that's why we've been seeing him in the press box a lot more. I think it's a little interesting, and it almost worked out as a negative for him in a weird way, the whole Byfield injury situation, right? Because – he Byfield was going to be three C on this team probably, and then after that it was going to be Velarde for a cup of coffee before they said okay this isn't working we're going back down so next in line was Kapari when I think if if all things being equal I think they would have preferred Kapari play on the wing, mm-hmm. um, and they really kind of forced him into being a center just because the other guys with due to injury and Velarde's play that. You know, next man up to play center on the third line was Kapari. So I think that's kind of, in a way, hurt him through no maybe fault of anybody's. Because uh, I agree with you, Russ. I think he's a winger. I think he can excel as a winger. Um, maybe he does need to go down to Ontario and play as a winger. But, you know, as we, as everybody's, if you're paying attention to the Kings, there's, I don't know, how many forwards are in Ontario right now, Randon? 27. So there's not a whole <laughs> lot of room down there either to, to, to find playing time. So I mean, uh, you have Burke, who's been playing on the first line, two scratches. Kachev's been scratched, you know, so right. like, and he's like fourth on the team in assists. Like that team is deep down there. So, so has, it, has anybody, for, has anybody remembered TJ Tynan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is right, though. I think Kapari's a winger. I just look at Kapari and like his skill set reminds me a little bit of the way. Adrian Kempe skates and how he utilizes mm-hmm. his speed coming from the outside and breaking it in. And you see sometimes when Kemp or when Kupari gets around guys, you're like, oh man, that look at that blaze or that that sturdiness and everything like that. But then he's afraid to take it to the hole. I, you know, you gotta just go and you just gotta bring it to the net and try to you know score goals on your own and, and get a rebound or get that long shot and hope the guy behind you is following up. And we see that so many times from this year from Kempe where you know, he gets around this guy and he's just one-on-one with the goalie and just has to pick a corner. You know, I, I believe Kupari has that kind of skill in his skating to do those things from the wing. Is it the confidence there or is he just deferring to his line mates? I'm not 100% sure. We heard that back in previously in Kempe's career that he was deferring to his line mates to make plays and he was just kind of out there playing 
and not kind of grabbing the reins. And, you know, I believe Kupari has that kind of skating skill in him to complete those styles of plays from the wing on the outside coming in. He was my pick earlier on the year for, for the, the round table for the Kings to be the best rookie of this season. Um, just cause I believe that uh, he had decent numbers in the, in the dot, but I liked his skating. So it's something interesting to be seen and how he goes in maybe a tune-up game when they get back off the road uh, in Ontario might be something to send him down, get a tune-up game coming back in, but the, the team's winning. It's kind of hard to, uh, to mix things up at that end. Yeah. Let's go into uh, needs improvement. So there's been a couple players, uh, you know, with either hype or just the team in general with some, with some aspects, you know, getting a lot of these new scores in how lines are supposed to work and all those kind of things, but maybe haven't met expectations uh, Kiffin, why don't you start us off on this one? Maybe where, where is somebody lacking and, and what do you see from his game that maybe shows you promise that he, that he might be able to fix it? So, um, I mean, Kupari is definitely one of them. Um, my, my pick again, just, just I'm, I'm just here to stir up controversy in the comment section. Um, the guy, the guy that I, that I'm really disappointed with this year is Anze Koptar, but I will use the caveat there that it's not entirely his fault. Kopitar has been deployed consistently over the years as a guy who is 25 years old and it just, it takes a toll on the body. You know, he, for as much time as he's on the ice, he's just not producing. He went what, like a month between goals. I think, you know, yeah, he leads the team in points, but he's also, I mean, he's also a brilliant playmaker, but I just, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing the urgency. I'm not seeing one of the things that you see the most from Kopitar is the strong puck possession in the, you know, down, down in the deep areas in the zone. And I'm just not seeing it this year. And it's, it's what we've come to expect. And I think because of the, that expectation when he falters and he's not playing very well, it really, really shows. I, I'd like to see Kopitar used less, um, maybe deploy him on just, you know, just the even strength lines and maybe like the secondary power play for, uh, for a while just to give him a little bit of a break. But yeah, it's, I just, I, I, I want better out of Kobe. The, 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 the Kings fans right there. We'll see if that we get some comments coming <laughs> in, in there. Joe, what are you thinking? So I was worried about being hot take-ish. Um, <laughs> did go with Kopitar. So I, I may not have to worry about that. And it's a little bit different. Like I, I, my expectations weren't necessarily, and then I want to put the caveat that he's still a very young player, but I don't – is Tobias Bjornford a steady every game NHL player right now on the left side? I don't know. I don't – I haven't been – he's not winning me over to the point where it's like he needs to be in the lineup, and I don't think he's winning the Kings over in the sense that they're very actively, at least it would seem, looking for a left-shot defenseman. I, I – He's been in the league. I know he's so young, and I and I want to be very careful with this because I I acknowledge that he's a young player, but um, I I was hoping to see a bigger step this season. I I kind of made the point earlier in the summer that I wanted Kel Clegg to make the team over him, frankly. Um, but I I understood why Bjornfoot made the team. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know that I'm seeing like from a possession standpoint, he's barely average. Um, I, I don't, there's never going to be like a ton of offense to his game, which is fine. Like Matt Roy isn't an offensive defenseman, but he excels uh, at the rest of the game. And I'm not seeing it from T- Tobias Bjornfoot. I don't know what he is right now. So I, is he a two left shot or a lefty two? I don't, I don't think he's that. Is he a lefty three? Maybe right now he's lefty two. And I know it's partly because Edler got hurt, but for me, I am wait. I'm still waiting for Bjornfoot to take that 
that next step. And so I, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And so for me, the player is Tobias Bjornfoot. Go ahead, Russell. Yeah, I think uh, you guys kind of relate a little bit of your answer to mine a little bit. It's just not, we're not disappointed in the play. We just are expecting a little bit more out of it. I mean, with Kobitar, it, he's a little bit faulty. It seems like the defensive game and the penalty kill is kind of faltering a little bit, special teams especially, but he's playing pretty well five-on-five five hockey. But, yeah, that could, that could go. Bjornfoot, we really don't know what he is. He's playing quiet minutes really right now. He's just yeah. – he's he, you're, not, you're not really noticing him, which is a good thing from a defensive sure. point of view. But you maybe expect a little bit more. And for my player, I, I'm expecting a little bit more out of Dustin Brown. Right now he's getting power play one minutes. And it's just not working for him. He's one of the lowest on the team in with the amount of minutes he's getting. So besides Philip Deneau, and that's kind of a question you can we can answer a little bit later on the on the special teams. But with Dustin Brown, I mean, he led the team in scoring this year, and it's hard to expect a little bit more out of Dustin Brown with the age he's getting to. He's at the twilight of his career. But I mean, after leading the team in scoring, you're just kind of hoping to see just a little bit more offense coming off of him right now. Yeah, I, I can I can see where you're going at there, and and uh, I think my disappointment was, you know, I mean, he hasn't he's gotten a little bit of a or lackluster of a shot because they sent him down, but mine was Vlardy and the fact that I thought, I just thought the fact that he with playing three C, you know, and and you know we don't wish injury upon anybody, but getting that opportunity to play three C with Byfield having that injury in the preseason and being able to to take that time and and really go at it, and I know the course he wasn't there as Joe, uh, you know. Uh, alluded to earlier uh, with the Kachev uh, and Leas Anderson line. But I really thought that there was going to be something there, more consistent scoring, utilizing that shot, getting power play time. And, and maybe he just really hasn't uh, – he didn't get enough seasoning in Ontario. With him being the first wave of prospects to come up, there was a lot of uh, urge for him to to play right away when our team was faltering so bad. And maybe that was not to his benefit with coming off that back. Uh, so that, that's really – I, I really was hoping that he would take that step forward this season, uh, you know, being on the power play and taking that three C role. And then as Joe alluded to as well, moving to wing when Byfield was, was ready to play. So kind of having that transition. And so maybe he's taking a different route to that by going down to the rain and doing that this year. And, and we'll see if he gets that time uh, as the season's gone on, or maybe this is just his path and, you know, uh, progression isn't always linear. And so I, I think that, he still has a good chance to be a top six winger in this league. I really like his play in Ontario. He's been one of my favorite players to watch this year on a consistent basis, just for my expectations of what I thought in how he was going to be used and him setting and getting sent down so quickly. It's just been kind of, of a disappointment on a personal level for that one. Can I ask you guys a question and I'll open yeah. this up. And I, one of these guys is probably going to be Russell that jumps in here because I know we talked about so much about Vladimir Kachev at the start of the season had the good preseason. Do we, and I hesitate to say that he's a needs improvement or disappointment because, and I don't know what you guys' opinions are. Cause I don't, I frankly, I'm not even sure what I know of mine is. Are we disappointed that he's in Ontario for virtually all season because of his play? Or do we think that he just wasn't given a long enough leash to really give a look because man, he's a heck of a freaking playmaker, especially on the power play, which obviously we're all aware the Kings need I, I would. I just basically want to throw out. What are your thoughts on Kachev? Is there a disappointment level in Kachev? And if so, is it because of Kachev, or is it because of was he really not given the chance? 
I, I'll jump in and say I, I think I think he wasn't given the chance. Um, I think there were two. There's two issues with that 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 were kind of kind of that were that kind of came up with it. One of them is the is goes back to the Ilya Kovalchuk signing. I think signing a guy and and um, Nikolai Prohorkin as well. You know, signing a guy from the KHL that just doesn't work out. I'm I'm wondering to myself if that was something that kind of weighed on people. You know, we signed another guy from the KHL. We can't we can't move him too fast or else we're going to have invested too much time in him. But also, you know, with with Velarde not getting the look, you know, and not working on the third line and them having so much chemistry, Leas Anderson kind of being disappointing and being a little behind where we thought he would be. I think that there was this idea that that chemistry maybe played a role and that Ketchev couldn't find chemistry with other people because he he had it with Velarde, he had it, and he, he's showing it down in the down in the rain. I mean, he's he's got chemistry with Velarde and a little bit with Anderson. I mean, he's he can do it. So I, I maybe you know it may have just been you know too you know too quick. Too quick. Uh, that's, that's what I would rule on. Four, yeah, four, exactly. Four, I mean, four games. I, I don't know. I don't know. Rob, isn't a cup of coffee technically five? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Russell I mean, bought his jersey already. So <laughs> what do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's hard because I probably hyped him up a little bit too much and I have to eat some crow over the call, Calder, whatever hashtag I agree. Hey, I was, I was waving the flag <laughs> with you. But no, yeah. but yeah, I mean, because I mean, what you, what you see in the comparisons to Caprizov, obviously, I did never thought he would be him but I, I will say in the first couple of games when i was watching him play because i was watching him intently obviously it was trying to gauge every aspect of his game and there was a little bit of a lack uh defensively i mean it, you just kind of noticed it in the defensive zone that he he wasn't really on his man he wasn't really on tight with his man up at the point because that's really only the only place they really ever played him and so you kind of just saw it. So when I saw him go down, I wasn't really that surprised about it. I just like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. The Kings were losing at the time. Mm-hmm. He had some of the worst uh, analytic metrics on the team along with Velarde, and that's kind of why they both got sent down. And, yeah, it's you've seen the flashes in Ontario that we were expecting to see with the Kings, and you're, you're starting to see a little bit of that defensive game starting to improve. He has been healthy scratched a couple of times, so kind of wondering what was going on there. But yeah, I don't know if he just hasn't gotten the opportunity, or I think it. I think it is a little bit more on him. I think that's a little bit more of the disappointing part. And I think right now we're at the point where honestly, I think he's done. Like I, who's he's not coming up ahead of. There's a laundry list of players in Ontario that that are ready to come up and play, whether it's Fagimo and I know everybody wants Turcotte and 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 Anderson Dolan has been awesome this season on Terry just coming off mm-hmm. a hat trick. So I, I don't see Kachev coming up. So I'm just, what it, where, where does he fit now? Is he, is this it? Does he, is he's going to spend the season in Ontario and then he's off to wherever he goes next year. It's just, it's just very strange because he's such a talented player, right? You can see the skill he has and to get a four game look and then we're wiping our hands with him. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just, it just kind of sucks to see it kind of evolve the way it has, I guess. I think it's a little bit uh, – T-Mac likes some of it – sometimes likes some of his guys that you get. And, and you know, like I'll eat crow on more, like I said earlier. And, and there's some of those guys that are showing, like Lazat and Lemieux, who are constantly putting up good numbers and, and energy. And when – even though in, in the AHL, Kachev has shown that he's not a, a liability defensively, as West Coast said, he's a plus nine this year. Um, you know, maybe he, the, the fact that the Rain are number one on the power play is, is boosting that numbers. But he's still – Showing the the specialty that he is in on 
on the power play, on the five-on-five assist. He's been able to score some goals. And I feel like we have a lot of similar guys, Lazat similar to Moore, like a lot of those guys. And we don't really have a creativity specialist on the power play like you do with Kachev. And instead of like giving that time to evolve and 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 go, like T Mac was like, nope, he's not like what I'm used to. Like I'm we're losing games. Let's just put this down here and I, I have to win, you know, and so um uh it just it, for me, it's like uh, it's something that I think it was just kind of like maybe not a panic move, but a panic move from T Mac losing, starting at the season losing. Hey, these two guys are a reason why. Let's send them down. Let's get new guys in here. We have so many forwards, and well, then they working, started winning right? games. It's yeah. working. Like they're obvious. Uh, so I'm not again. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just from it's it's from from just because of the amount of guys they got. It it's it's tough to see it kind of go the way it has, but. Way, I wonder from his. I, I wonder from his. Pers- I wonder from his perspective if he gives another team a chance in the off season to earn a spot at a camp and maybe um, or or what what's going to go on there or go back to Russia. I think what I just wonder what his perspective is yeah. going to be yeah, we'll on see. the National Hockey League because yeah, he's played the well Kings, in the A. The Kings weren't the only team scouting him. The Kings were scouting him for two two years. I mean, this isn't yeah. a player that just came over. Out of nowhere. I mean, other teams are going after him. So it'll be interesting to see if he still has interest or if he does go back overseas. That's the thing, Russ. Like you brought they they sought him out and you mm-hmm. gave him four games. And again, mm-hmm. I, I I'm not saying he was great in those four games, but if you're gonna do that, I just it seemed very strange to me the whole the way it all developed. Yeah. Yeah. And from the source I talked to that right after he got sent down and I asked if hey, is there thought about him going back to the KHL? There was straight away, no, no way. So I mean, he's committed to staying over here. Yeah. It seems it seemed at the time. So we'll see if that's changed um, with how long he's been down in the AHL. I, w- I wonder if it would have been beneficial for him, you know, because we we've we've talked a lot about Velarde. I wonder if it would have been beneficial for him to maybe have like a, th- a third line of uh, Jared Anderson Dolan centering him and Velarde. You know, maybe finding finding a different kind a different kind of way to right. utilize right. him while he's getting used to the American ice. You know, I, yeah. I think Jared Anderson Dolan in the on the rain is just. We're we're backlogged, but like it, it's a travesty. I, I've like I, I've loved Anderson Dole since the day he came up, but you know it's it, you got to find a spot. But yeah, I wonder yep. if that would have changed things for him. Jeff, yeah, yep. it'll be interesting to see what what he believes his talent is, and he's still uh, pretty young, and maybe get another opportunity to go on a team that needs more scoring as well. And that's where we lead into the next problem is, uh, you know, we thought we got brought in these quite a few guys, you know, Arvidsson, Deneau, and and they've obviously boosted the chances. Like I said earlier, third in the league in uh, shots on goal and, and or shot metrics period. Uh, but the scoring hasn't really helped. Still bottom third in the league in, in scoring. So where have the problems been and, and how do the Kings uh, fix them? Why don't we start with Russell on this? I mean, the problems be are right where they've always been. It's been the shooting percentage. The Kings right now are 30th in the NHL in shooting percentage, but only in front of the Canucks and the Canadians. And it, that, that, you, you're not going to win a lot of games if you're getting a lot of shots and they're not going in the back of the net. So and it, it's... The Kings play a really defensive type style game, obviously with the one-three-one neutral zone trap, and that's why they're constantly le- they're they're high up in the in the league and uh, on rush uh, or rush chances. So that's been looking pretty good. But when they're in the offensive zone, it just like we talked about with Kachev, there's just not a lot of creativity. And I'm starting to wonder if there's maybe a, la- a lack of a net front presence. I mean, since the Kings have kind of implemented more of this skill type aspect to their game. 
there's not really that dirty type of 2012 LA Kings hockey that we were used to seeing going straight to the front of the net. And that's why we saw Dustin Brown score all those goals last year because that's where all they were from is was like five feet from the crease. So maybe there's a lack of a net front presence that they need to get that Thomas Holmstrom type player in front of the net just to clean up those dirty garbage goals and, and start getting those higher end um, shooting chances. But like you mentioned, Rand, and they're getting their opportunities. I think they might break the record for in franchise for shots per game. So it, you just have to start scoring. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's, he's completely right, Russ. It's a shooting percentage. It's one of the worst in the, in the league. And when you look at the power play shooting percentage, that's also third worst in the league. So it's, it's, very, it's very tough because when you're looking at it from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to do you, your job to put your team in the best positions to win, right? And when you look at the Kings, they dominate possession. They're one of the better expected goals teams at five on five. So they're doing thing a lot of things really well this year but they're not going in the net. It's not, they're not finishing their, their shooting percentages continues to be bad. And, but it's not as if it's a high danger thing either. I think they're in the upper half of the league in high danger percentage too. So it's not as if they're not getting high quality chances. They're just not scoring goals. Um, and it's, it's such a difficult thing to try to, to pinpoint because you've seen a guy like Kempe who has taken off this year. Look at Ayafalo. He's having a really good year. But you then, on the flip side of it, Dustin Brown is having a little bit of a down year. It's it's really it's been a strange season, right? I mean, if I follow, or excuse me, um, Trevor Moore's been hot of late. They just haven't found that I, I, I guess that consistency to help them that that elite scorer to help them both at five on five and on special teams. Frankly, um, their power play. Listen, I love Alex Iafalo. I don't know that I think power play first unit power play when I think Alex follow And obviously we've talked about Dustin Brown at length and, and the struggles he's had on the power play. And when you've got two of those guys on the power play right now and the, and the main unit, that's a problem. It's a, it's not, those aren't goal scorers. Dustin Brown at this point of his career and Alex, I followed this. He, he is, he's having a, a, a huge year for him right now. And I, and I, he's been great, but in fairness to McClellan, Who's going in those roles? So, so, so Dustin Brown has, I think, 106 minutes on the power play, if I'm not mistaken, 112 minutes on the power something along those lines. Sally Kelly is not playing. He's got almost 100 minutes on the power play himself this season. So it, who, who is McClellan? What, what is the – is it just – it's easy to say take out Dustin Brown and put in insert player name here. Who is it? It's not as if the Kings are scoring. Who on the Kings are scoring? I mean, are you actually putting Trevor Moore out there? Are you actually putting Athanasiu out there on the power? So I don't know. It, it, it's 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 it seems to be a problem that the Kings have had for years, um, and yeah. I, I I don't know what the what the actual answer is. I'll be honest. I, I know I'm I'm just kind of rambling at this point. I don't know what the answer is. To be to be honest, the, 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 I look at it as the Kings are doing a lot of good things. They're they're creating chances. They're dominating possession. The pucks aren't going in right now. I tend to be a, bel- a believer of puck luck and that it, that it all of a sudden it, it kind of finds its, its way back to even by the end of the season. So I guess we'll see. 
I, uh, I I sit on the same train with Puck Luck. I mean, as the it's like uh, for me, every literally every year it's like, hooray! It's it's the new year, happy new year. The Kings aren't going to score because that's January. <laughs> like that's that's how January goes. Um, you know, one of one of the comments here popped up that it, you know Dustin Brown has six goals on 117 shot attempts, and I think the important stat there that is almost missed is that or 177 shot attempts. That's 177 shot attempts. That's not even on shots, and that's right. the problem. You know, we talked about high da- high danger chances. Like, you know, the the Kings' high danger chances for in the in the deep analytics is only fifty three point six percent. They're just above, you know, the other team. They're 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 giving away just as much as they're as they're getting. Um, you know, it, I, I think it, I think it starts on the wing. You know, we, we've uh, again talked a lot about wingers. Like, the, this has to come from the wings. We got to find speedy wingers who know how to finish. Um, Kempe Kempe woke up woke up on you know the first day of training camp and said I'm apparently said I'm gonna score 20 goals this year and he's getting there. But we need more guys like that. We need guys who are getting into the dirty areas who are who are fighting for possession, who are fighting for the, those open spaces where they can take shots. If they're not shooting, then they're not scoring. And you know I'm a big believer in you know let's let's get 40 shots on net. You know obviously UC Soros isn't gonna play for every team. You know and you know we're to eventually score, you have you have to keep shooting. You got to find the way to build that confidence in your shot, so that you know what you can do with the puck. Not every you know, not everybody takes their first shot and scores, but you know, if you take enough of them, you should. And that's that's where I think we we lack we 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 lack the the ability to find people who are going to keep taking shots and keep looking for those opportunities so that they can get better. We just keep kind of falling back on players like Dustin Brown and Anze Kopitar, who know how to score, but you know they're. 37 and 34 respectively. Yeah, I think I think maybe it comes for me is that the the same style there's a lot of similar style of player uh throughout the whole team and you, when you only have uh you know uh two or three now certified shooters in in Kempe, Arvidsson and Kaliev and Kaliev is only getting 12 minutes a night, you're getting a lot of guys who are going to create chances because of their speed, their their consistent uh defensive game. And, and the style of play like Russell alluded to. And then in, if we're going to be playing the style where we're chucking a bunch of punks at the net, then we got to have that net foot presence. I agree with Russell on that. Like you can't have, oh, we're going to go to skill and we're just going to shoot, but we don't have finishers. Let's just shoot a lot with no finishers. But if we're going to shoot a lot, then let's have that um, that net foot presence. And when you look at that Lazat-Lemieux line, you know, you have Kaliev who shot percentages right around 6%, but both Lazat and Lemieux who are cleaning up a lot of those goals who are not afraid to go to the net, uh, you know, shooting percentages over, over 10 for both of them. They're near the top of the team. And so like that line complements each other really well. And so I think you're seeing that maybe with the second line as well, right? Deneau and, and Moore have had a lot of success being around the net front and Arvidsson's not, can, will shoot it from anywhere on the ice, on the bench, in the locker room. Uh, he does, he doesn't have a shot that he doesn't like. And I think that, that, uh, um, that type of, line balance is is what's helping some of those lines being productive in scoring goals and and maybe having too many players in the, in that same mold uh is hurting the kings uh five on five and the power play is obviously another way to score and we'll get to that later russell you you went like this did you have something to add on yeah i'm glad you you mentioned lemieux because he actually leads the team in shooting percentage at five on five so i mean and that's exactly what i'm talking about is that they need that net front presence, that those dirty type of goals, because those are what go in. And we've we've seen Arthur Kelly have shot, obviously, but he has a lower shooting percentage. I mean, so it's 
maybe there is that, like, like you mentioned, and, and I talked about, there's that lack of a net front presence that they need to start scoring more dirty goals. But it's funny when, when Joe mentioned, it's like, you don't, you, you don't know what to do. It's kind of hard to see. I mean, it's, you can't really teach that as a coach. And it's, it's so funny because Todd McClellan said that same exact thing. It's like, you don't really, it's something you can't teach. This like actual scoring is something you can't teach, but yeah, but you can go out and get somebody that can do that. Like a, a Philip Forsberg or a Patrick Lyon A, those or those right. pure goal scorers. I mean, you can definitely go find those players. So, and that's what we've seen with the Kings is they never really have got those players. So, if you're going to keep having those IFOs, those the nose, those Trevor Moores that are, are going to bring that energy every shift, and put those pucks on the net, but they're not really those finishers. That this is what we're going to see for for the time being. Yeah, I, I, I think, think they, they, they they've they've been a team that. And again, I don't think it's a situation where they're they're just throwing aimlessly at the net. They continue to be – they've created the third most, I think, high-danger chances in the NHL mm-hmm. this year. So they're creating high-quality chances too. Yeah, yeah. And then Victor Arvidsson is putting up some of his, the most high-danger chances of his career. So the opportunities are there. So that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the good thing. Yes. All right. Let's see if we uh, – we had a question up here I had pegged. Uh, let's see. Boom, boom, boom. It was with uh, on the line. Uh, I forget where it was at, but maybe it was too far up. But they, the question was with the byfield line. So now that they, they had it started off with Grunstrom, now you have Athanasiu and Brown. Do you like that line combination with byfield? Do you like the chemistry there, or do you think that they're missing something? Uh, maybe put Grunstrom back in for AA, or, or how do you guys feel about that line combination there? I've been on it for for a couple of weeks. It's I, I love the man, but it's time to bench Dustin Brown for a little while. I think you find, I think you'll find if if we were to make that line maybe Byfield, uh, you know, surrounded by Athanasiu and Grunstrom, you'd see a lot of creativity, a lot of speed, and a lot of ability to finish. I mean, Byfield is Byfield. I mean, he, he's going to be a star. So putting guys around him who one Athanasiu, who is you know a a well-rounded presence. He's fast. He's got, you know, he's got a good shot and Grunstrom who really needs a kick in the pants from time to time to, to get him going to learn, you know, learn what's best for him. I think it'd be great. That'd be a fantastic line. And you can, and you could honestly cycle through Grunstrom, Kapari and Brown on a regular basis. I mean, Dustin Brown can still throw the body. And when you, you know, when you got that big, that big game where he needs to throw a hit or two, put him in, but that's, that's where I think we've got to, well, I agree with Kiffin and the Dustin Brown thing. I, it's just the way I look at it is it's not going to happen, right? So I'm trying. I, I think it's probably true, and I think it's probably fair. I agree. I just don't think that that's the direction the Kings are going to go with Dustin Brown at this point. Um, so I would say I, I think Grunstrom is. I don't know that Grunstrom's the guy to have on that line. I'd like to see somebody with a little bit more skill. I'm, listen, I'm going to make the call for Velarde. I think that he's a guy that can play on that line. Would I prefer it to be like Velarde and Athanasiu or Velarde and Kapari? Sure. But again, I'm Dustin Brown's going to be here until he's not. And so I'm just penciling him in. And as much as I think that, yeah, it's it may be past the time, I, I just don't see the Kings doing that to the player. So I think it's going to be Dustin Brown and X. And who is that other guy? And I think the, you're going to see them try a bunch of different guys from Athens to you to Grunstrom. I would like to see Velarde at some point bring that skill level, that creativity to the line, especially with Byfield. They played outstanding together in Ontario. 
So we'll see. That's that's what I would do. I think Velarde would be my call here early. Um, I but as much as I agree with you, Kiffin on Brown, I just don't know that the Kings are going to go there. I mean, I I don't disagree. It's it's it, it, he's he's the cap oh captain my captain. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. it's it's almost impossible to put him on the bench. In in, in an objective world, that that would be where I would go. Yep. But I I do agree with you. And in, in reality, we're we're waiting to see whether he retires or not at the end of the year. That's. That's how it goes. And and Joe and I have been hitting on it a couple times. You know, as much as we have all these guys and they've had their moments this season, whether it be Athanasiu or or X player, X player that's on the the uh, the one year deal, they might have to trade away some guys and just get whatever picks they can get to create room for some of these guys to come in and see how this roster evolves. I don't know if they will do that or they'll throw some extra players in if we try to bring, uh, you know, a trick in or a rental in. Um, you know, see how that that comes in. But if everybody's healthy, there's not enough spots. And right now they have all these guys on the taxi squad because they're on the road. But when they're back home, they usually they even lower the taxi squad even more. And so then where do those players go? So it's going to be something that's interesting. Let's move on to the defense, uh, defensive strengths here. So uh, while the, the scoring has been a little rough, uh, still the, uh, the Kings and goals against uh, are top 10 in the league. Uh, the, the penalty kill has been atrocious, but overall um, not a bad year for the defense, uh, um, considering they've had 12 different uh, defensemen. Uh, play at least one game this season. Russ, I'll let you start this one off since you didn't get to answer that last question. What have you seen from the defense? What have you liked? And then, you know, how do you think it evolves as the season goes on? I think that I think the defense has been really good this year. I mean, especially with almost the revolving door that's been going on through throughout the the, the blue line. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you had Sean Walker who goes down, and you lose Alex Hedler, who was actually putting up some of the best coursey numbers in the league. Um, who has been really surprising? He goes down, and then now the last against Pittsburgh, you you put in Moviari, um, and then who oh, was a strand right out right out of nowhere. So, I mean, to see that the numbers that they're still putting up consistently, and I think you have to be, a, and this is kind of where we go back to Tobias Bjorn for Joe. It's like, yeah, he's not really seen too much, but he's he's being okay. He's doing good for now. Yeah. He's doing good for now. He's doing what he needs to. Mikey Anderson has had his off days. Now he's on IR. Hopefully he's not out too long. I mean, it's really just been kind of one-on-one defending with him. It seems like he's on a highlight reel getting postered by who knows who in every game. But, I mean, you're kind of liking what you're seeing. And I think a lot of it has to do with the reemergence that we've seen from Drew Doughty and, and the way that he's been able to put everything, the weight on his shoulders um, this, this last year. And we saw a little bit last year. So it was unfortunate when he went down. But now since he's been back, he's been amazing. So if he can continue, I think the defense will continue to be strong as well. Go ahead, Kevin. So, uh, I mean, my, my biggest thing with, with the defense is suppression. Watching teams try to cross the, cross the blue line and into the king zone has been insanely in, insanely fun, to be honest. What you know, I mean, we're we're stopping them at the blue line. There's a lot of dump and chase happening. Um, I stick on on uh, Matt Roy for defense. You know, I, I, I've I've loved Roy since he came into the league. You know, his his Corsi percentage is fantastic. You know, it's it's uh, as far as the Kings go. I mean, it could be better, obviously, but you know, as far as the Kings go, it could be great. And like looking into his uh, his like sort of adjusted stats over eighty two, one of the things that I see the most as a defenseman for a guy that I wouldn't have expected because he's so stay at home is uh, goals created. You know, he's do, he's at the top level of that that he has been in his career. His career obviously not being that long, but you know, he's really putting in the work. He's um, you know, making making his pairing work really well, and you know, uh, w- when it was when it was him and him and Edler, 
as well. I mean, that was a great pair. And watching the Kings sort of become this this 200-foot team that's really rolling through lines and creating situations where they can take the puck back in their offensive zone rather than get shots shots against. Obviously, teams are still shooting, but you know, they're they're starting to be to to grab this identity where it's like you can break through the line. The blue line is really hard to get through, but if you do get through, we're just going to take it away from you. You know, we're just going to come right up on you and take it. I think that's that's been that's been the biggest strength this year. I, I've really enjoyed watching our defense uh, play as hard as they do. I couldn't yeah, agree yeah. with Kiffin more on Matt Roy. By the way, I just did a piece on him, and as of that piece, he led the Kings in primary assists. So, if, for somebody that's not an offensive defenseman, quote unquote, he's really good in transition, breaking pucks out, making that first pass. And I think I think that's part of it that he's been the stalwart. Like you look at the guys that have been in and out of the lineup, uh, some significant injuries to Adler, Dowdy, and Walker throughout the season, and he has kind of calmly just been the 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 stable the rock there on the back end that i think has really helped all season with these guys and we've had young guys come in so i think it's a combination of you know matt roy drew dowdy's kind of when he has been healthy he's been great and it speaks to the depth i mean you alluded to it randy we've had so many guys that have, that have played but you know there haven't been too many guys that have missed a beat over he's only played a couple of games and look what he did against pittsburgh that pass a couple of passes he made i mean He's been pretty steady Eddie in Ontario, and he's showing that he can do that at the NHL. So I think it speaks to the depth, too. Uh, it's been kind of defense by committee at times, but it's been good. Yeah, I want to give a little shout-out. Um, I'm, I'm with uh, West Coast Bias on here. I think the addition, it can't sing this guy's praises enough, Phil Deneau, uh shoring up that center position in the, in the 2C. You know, I follow who's defensively sound. You have Kempe who's defensively sound. You know, obviously, Kopitar uh, has been known to have a, a few good defensive games or two uh, in his career, and so, like, we were doing that, and then I think the emergence of, of Lazat and Lemieux, that tandem on the fourth mm-hmm. line, they just wreck people uh, as far as lifting sticks, all this kind of stuff like that. I think the it's an understatement what Lemieux brings to the energy of this team, being able to stand up for his teammates, allowing players to be more aggressive uh, throughout the neutral zone, knowing that you have a guy that's going to back you up if, if, you get, if you get hung out or you hang somebody out on, on a big hit, and so – I really like the the fourth the fourth line is doing a great job of, of creating opportunities. Uh, you know that mosquito in a dark tent, like they said last year with Lazat and everything like that. So I mean, he's really uh, risen above maybe an honorable mention above what I thought he would be. I was a, a big Jad supporter to start the season, and he's done well in Ontario. But that fourth line, and we we I talked about it as maybe a negative for the scoring, but it's definitely been a positive on uh, on the defensive side that every single line that we have now has uh, as somebody who forechecks, somebody who, you know, all those kind of things, the defensive stuff that you like to see chases pucks. And so, you know, when do we teeter that to maybe get more offense is what we see. I don't know, but this season Kings hockey, they're going to, they're going to have to win a lot of three, two games. And that's going to be from not only the solid play from the defenseman, but being solid up the middle and, and having those uh, puck chasers on almost every single line. I think a lot of it, a lot of it too. What we've seen is we've seen the team start to buy into this one-three-one system, and that their ability to suppress that neutral zone and to create more opportunities and throw more pucks on the net, that's going to lead to better defensive game, and hopefully those yep. goals will start happening more. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Well, maybe they can get goals from the special teams here, but they've been not so special this year. Not so special teams. Um, so you know, not not only are we uh, pretty bad. On the penalty kill, we are very bad on the power play. Um, I know a lot of fans on Twitter and everything like that, and even in this chat, uh, you know, have said that the, there really hasn't been much 
um, you know, mixing of the lines other than when people have gone out for COVID or, or for, for injury and they keep throwing the same thing out. And what, what did Einstein say? Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting different results. And so, uh, you know, what do we see now? And I think it's a good opportunity with the uh, quote unquote Olympic break to maybe see some changes. Uh, let's see what we have from uh, Joe. Where do you think we talk either power play penalty kill and, and maybe what would you fix? Uh, how would you rotate some things around and, and kind of get uh, one of these uh, units back on track? So I think the biggest thing with the issue with the Kings right now is scoring goals. So we'll talk about the power play. I, I, and I guess I'll preface this by saying, listen, special teams, they can be streaky, right? So they, they could be going through a spot where right now it's, it's not going so well. And by the end of the season, they could end up being in like the, you know, 22%, which is probably going to find themselves in the at least upper half of the league. So, and again, you're still scoring at less than a quarter clip. So it's going to seem bad uh, more often than not, because you're, if you go one for five on a power play, it's, it's only 20%, remember. So you have to keep that in mind and, and look at this with a little bit of context. That said, the Kings have not been very good on the power play this year. But what's even more frustrating is the Kings have had Nobody, uh, only one team has had more power play time than the Kings. So the Kings are spending a lot of time on the power play and they're not scoring on the power play. Their shooting percentage is third worst um, in the NHL on the power play. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, I agree, like the power play is a struggle right now. But what are we, what can we do with the players that are on the roster? Let's be realistic right now, right? With the guys that are on the roster. I mean, I guess you could move Brown, and maybe at this point, maybe it's time to move Brown. And do you move Byfield down there, right to that to that low spot where he's played some in Ontario? He's played in that spot, so maybe that's a move that they could do. Um, but Byfield, remember, just got here, so it's not like that's been a solution all season. So I, I just, I still wonder that. I think it's more of a personnel thing in that I don't know who are the goal scorers. Who's your pure goal scorer? Who's your creative players? Um, Who's your guy in front of the net in the net front that's gonna that's gonna do that? Obviously, Brown, where he excelled in the past, it's not happening this year. So I think given the roster right now, I would like to see Byfield get a little bit more of a role. Um, I've talked about Velarde, but he's not here right now. So I, I don't know how realistic it is to talk about him. So I think it's a personnel, and then they they're just lacking some pure goal scoring talent, creative talent, if you will. Um but that said, I don't know what you replace it with, at least what's on the roster right now. I mean, I'll go next off to that. I, I don't think you can do anything about the power play with the players you have on the roster. That, and that's the unfortunate thing, but hope the other team doesn't score a shorthanded goal. <laughs> that's really all you can do if you're the Kings. I mean, yeah, you mentioned, Joe, they don't have the, that scoring talent to help them out with. You look at Vladimir Kachev. He had two power play assists in his first game. Then he gets sent down. Look what happened to the power play. Gabe Velarde, I think, had a power play goal. So, I'm, yeah, I'm not expecting much out of the power play. I just don't want the other team to score, really. That's all we're expecting. <laughs> I mean, and unfortunately, it seems like that's happened more than we wanted to. But, I mean, so I look more at the penalty kill, and that's kind of where I'm a little bit more disappointed because, I mean, these are the type of players that should be good on the penalty kill. You look good at point. Ayafal. You look, you look at Deneau. You look at uh, Kempe, who's a rangy player, and a Kopitar, who's been kind of disappointing on the penalty kill. So people want to talk about Marco Sturm. I get it. He was here last year. Their penalty kill was actually pretty good. I think it was 83%. But, I mean, this year you're looking at one of the worst penalty kills since, like, 1987. So, I mean, it's been tough to watch if you're you're a Kings fan because there's really 
not much you can do. Maybe is it a system thing? Maybe I've I've noticed they have. If you notice, they have the point man who's always kind of roving around. It's not really more like a box. It's more like the point man's always kind of roving around the top of the top of the blue line. So maybe that's a different something they need to change. And it, it like you mentioned, Joe, it'll be something that they look into probably with the upcoming Olympic or the upcoming Olympic break or All Star break now. Um, so hopefully that's something they can look in, and hopefully improve on. Um, so the second half of the season, because it's hurting, it's hurting. They're a good five on five team and they're giving up a lot of power play goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, for, for me, for me, uh, I, I love that you brought up the structure there because the structure is definitely something that I've been seeing uh, as problematic for the team. Um, the power play structure is just not there. Uh, you've got the Rover, you've got all that, but it seems like a lot of the guys are just standing still. You know, they're standing still waiting for the puck to come to them. And it's like, I, once I get the puck, I'll start maneuvering. But you got to you got to keep movement in the power play. You know, you have to be able to move yourself and the puck at the same time. Not everybody gets to be Alex Ovechkin. So I, I just I think I think it, more movement. Um, I will say, however, I, I also agree with Russell there on the the penalty kill. I mean, that matters so much more to me. Um, watch, watching the Kings, watching the Kings uh, win the Stanley Cup in 2012, I, I don't actually remember a game where they had a power play goal other than game six of the final. I think our like our power play percentage had to be like 0.4% or something. But throughout that season, though, our penalty kill was way above league average. We were five whole percentage points above league average. You know, so... At the same while, while I believe there's a way to win through the penalty kill or through the power play, I mean the penalty kill is what matters more. If you're not letting in goals, you're not going to win. You're not going to lose games. You're not going to score if you, you're not going to win if you don't score. But you're not going to lose if you don't let them in. So. For whatever it's worth, the Kings have so. And I, the old adage is your goaltender is your best penalty killer, and that's. I get it, but there's times where they don't have a shot, right? Let's so if we're being honest, but for whatever it's worth. Kings have the fourth worst uh, save percentage on the penalty kill this year. And what's interesting is their uh, per money puck, their goals save above expected when they are down five on four. So mo- that's the majority of it. It's not all, but it's the majority of your power play times five on four, penalty kill times five on four. Both goaltenders, for as good as they've been this year, are in the bottom 15 in goal save above the expected on the – Penalty kill. Again, not saying it's their fault necessarily, but though it's a statistic that's tracked, that's goal save above expected, and they're two of the bottom 15 goaltenders in the NHL. So for as good as the goaltending has been, is it fair to question the goaltending on the penalty kill? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't think. I thought so. it was interesting. I just thought it was interesting. I. I. I, I kind of. I, def, I definitely kind of disagree on that. You know, okay. looking at the penalty kill sp- very specifically. Uh, if you look at the the New Jersey game uh, on this road trip, on Brat's second goal. I mean, the 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 passing from the Devils just complete. I mean, they were breaking ankles out there. You know, Cal had no chance to stop that yeah. that goal. So I, I, the goaltender is your best penalty killer, but I think that we're having some structural issues that are leading to an inability for them to make the saves that they should. And and you know, you yeah. got again, you got a guy sitting out there all by his lonesome on one side of the net when everybody is over off to the other side. You you're probably going to get an open net chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Ranford said it in an interview earlier this year that the defense and the goalie are one unit, and that's how they try to teach it with the Kings. And so. Uh, you know, they need to get in better positions if the defense is, is making plays and not allowing those shots and allowing the goaltender to see 
and you know clearing out that net front presence you could do a lot of help with that and i think with the way this team is built and we you know we're drafting all the skill we're drafting all the skill and everything like that but right now this team we're not playing those players all those players are on the rain and they're the they're leading the league in power play down there and so the way this team is built i think russell's right that the penalty kill needs to be more effective for for the kings to to continue winning the season i you know they're going to be winning a lot of 3-2 games and if you give up some bad special teams goals that's only going to make it harder for us uh if the scoring doesn't increase uh, as far as the power play goes, I mean, Brown seems like the easy one to take off. I wouldn't mind seeing Lemieux on the power play down by the net front presence. He seems pretty nasty down there, uh, able to clean up a lot of the goals. And maybe just having that uh, guy screening more shots, being more active down there, uh, could be something that you could see uh, generate that. It has done that for for the rain. Joe and I talked about Jad being that in the beginning of the season, that guy down low and, and having a little bit of scoring touch not being afraid to get in front of the goalie, and he's done a good job at that. And they've moved him around as the years went on, but that's where he started down there on on the power play. Uh, Byfield had played down low, and he played the bumper role uh, as well. He's got a pretty decent shot. And then when you're also 6'5", playing the bumper, you're still in a lot of lanes there as well, uh, being that kind of tip man, uh, the high tip man. So there's a couple of things maybe they could try with personnel to get something invigorated. I personally have liked the power play two more than the power play one. Uh, as the season uh, uh, has gone on, especially on this road trip. And so, you know, we'll see how that works out. I think the only thing you could do would be to shuffle personnel within the groupings, maybe give another guy a shot outside of, of roster movement, like bringing guys up and everything like that. I think the way the Kings win is what we've all agreed upon is, is going to be the penalty kill stepping up to a higher level, a more consistent level, and not allowing those shots because um, because of how this roster is constructed. I, I really like the aspect of having Brendan Lemieux on the power play. It, 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 we've always heard that comparison to Sean Avery, and teams were using Sean Avery on the power play. I mean, look what he did, did to Brent Martin Bergeron <laughs> one time. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's exactly what he can do. I mean, obviously it's illegal now, but, yeah, I mean, there's a reason his shooting percentage is so high. It's because he's, he's getting to those dirty areas and putting those pucks, those garbage pucks in the net. So that, that's a good idea. I like that. All right, let's go. Let's switch it up to the the trade deadline here. So obviously, uh, the big name on the block is Jacob Chikrin, uh, but there's other uh, other aspects there. Do you think that the Kings are going to be buyers, sellers? Are they going to stand pat uh, outside of Jacob Chikrin? Because we all we could talk about that for an hour. Is there anybody that you could see bringing in, or or, or moves that you see being made uh, for this year? You want to start it off, Kiff? Uh, yeah. So. Let's let's take Chikrin off. He becomes an offseason acquisition. Fine. I, I guess we can wait on that. Um, my 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 target. The Kings are buyers. Absolutely. Um, if we if we're if we're chugging along the way we are now, um, you know, I I, I brought it up uh, a couple of days ago about the points percentage. You know, the points percentage only gets you so far. Eventually, everyone's going to have even games. Where we're going to have points, and I think you're going to see the Kings getting points, and they're going to be ahead. I think uh, my my quick targets would be um, Riley Smith first. Um, Vegas is gonna gonna hit a really serious cap crunch that they're probably not gonna be able to Kucherov. So um, you know they're 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 gonna have to get rid of somebody. Smith and Marty are the only people I really don't see us taking Martinez back, even though he is a left shot D. I'd like to mention, but um, you know I, I could see getting Smith for cheap. On, and he's got he's on an expiring contract. His cap hits about five million, you know. But st- but at the same time, you know, again, you could lose him at the end of the year. 
Um, another guy that we might want to target that, that the Kings could target, I think, uh, if he was available, would be Brendan Gallagher from Montreal. I, I, I think someone wrote about that. I think uh, Brendan Gallagher would be an interesting player to see on the Kings. Um, you know, with uh, maybe maybe dropping him in that in that third line role. You know, rolling him with Byfield and Athanasiu, I think would be really kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, definitely buy 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 at the at the deadline. This is it. I mean, I. I didn't think we'd be here necessarily this year, but I mean, this is it. We got to go. It's time. It's time. What do you think, Russ? Oh, I want to steer clear away from Brandon Gallagher. That's that's a no for me. I mean, six point five million dollars <laughs> for like the next six years. That's that's a hefty price. But yeah, I mean, Jacob Chikrin's the the name on the board. Everyone wants a target. I I, I totally agree. He's to fit right in with what the Kings need. I think he's more of an off season addition. I think it's something. The Coyotes have no real rush to do this. I mean, he has a no movement clause that doesn't kick in for like I think another two or three years. So there's still an opportunity to trade him. I think that trade will come um, from the draft. Maybe find something around there. But I mean, I think right now the Kings, yeah, they're buyers. I, I would agree with that. But they're not going after those big fish out there. They're not going to go after those John Klingbergs or even like a Ben Sherrod if he if he requires a first round pick. So. I mean, if you look back and you kind of, the Kings are kind of around the same timeline they were when they got up to 2012 in terms of how they're building the team. I mean, we haven't seen that big Mike Richards trade where they do trade prospects like Shen and, and Simmons to bring in a big name player. We haven't seen that yet. So we're still waiting for that to happen. Um, but so I, I look back at 2010 at the trade deadline where they were still building, they traded for players, Frederick Modine and Jeff Halper. So I think those are the same type of players you might see the Kings looking for. Those like depth pieces, those middle middle six, maybe bottom six type players that can play the penalty kill, improve on that, or even that big kind of defensive type defenseman. Because, I mean, right now the Kings really, yeah, they could use offense, but I don't really think those offensive defensemen are really out there right now. Shane Goss, as far as name has been, talked, been floated around. I mean, Riley Smith would, would be great as a middle six forward on the Kings, but I, I just don't envision the Golden Knights trading him to a Pacific Division rival. I mean, so, yeah, there's I, I could definitely see the Kings being buyers, but I don't see them spending their first-round pick or a big Nate Chip prospect uh, come trade deadline. So expect, like, a, a middle-name a middle name player, I mean, that'll bring some good depth to the team, maybe some good offense, hopefully coming into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to say they'd be very – it's probably kind of what Russ is saying, very cautious buyers. So I I don't want to see them kind of go after those those rental types. I just don't think it's necessary. Like Kiff alluded to, like we didn't expect them necessarily to be here. And if they are going to keep chugging along like this, but that said, don't, don't get too far ahead. Like we didn't expect this, so let's just stay the course right now and, and not – go too crazy at the deadline. I would like to see somebody with terms, so obviously somebody like Chikrin, but if he's going to be an off-season thing, I have no problem standing pat. None. And this may sound crazy, I have no problem selling. And what I mean by that is you could look at a player like an Athanasiu or a Grunstrom or a Moore or some of these guys that could probably fill – bottom six roles on legitimate cup contenders, which if we're being honest, I don't think the Kings are quite there yet. But what that allows you to do is backfill with some of these young players. And it's a, at, at some point it has to be time to either incorporate these young players and get them more ice time or trade them. So 
there's a, a significant amount of players right now on both the NHL and AHL. So I wouldn't mind actually see selling off a couple of pieces, but I, you could argue that they're not going to lose anything, right? Like, are they going to lose that? Is it going to be, is the difference that drastic between a month and a half of more Athens CU? And I'm just throwing some, some names out here, Grundstrom versus Velarde, Turcotte, Fagimo. Like if you were to replace them, with those three or Jod for that matter. Like, I, I don't think you're losing much, but you're going to get these other guys some, some much more NHL experience, give them a long run and maybe even part of it, a playoff series. If the Kings do make the playoffs, you can still have those guys then get playoff experience. That's I actually prefer that as maybe that sounds crazy to some people, but I'd kind of rather that um, I know like stockpiling assets isn't necessarily something that Kings need to do right now, but I would rather that than see them, buy unless they're buying that chicken piece with with term then i'm all in on that guy if you have a forward a young forward with with term if you have that young left shot d with term i'm in otherwise i'd be very careful and either maybe sell a piece or two or even stand pat i'm okay with that too i i just i don't want to waste assets for the sake of maybe making a a, a round or two run this year when it may not be our year quite yet. Like the, the window for a cup could open like next year. Right. I don't think it's this season. I think they get in the playoffs this season. That's a huge win. It's it's, I didn't necessarily expect it, but for next season, that's when we make that look to make that move. If, if we can't make it in the off season. So that's kind of how I would approach it. Be very, very cautious. And I wouldn't hate the idea of if that term guy isn't there, selling and bringing some of the Velardis, Jods, Figimos, Turcots up and getting them an extended look. Yeah, I think I think Joe and I agree. I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum after our podcast about different uh, different opportunities there. And I think with the logjam, you look at how the season started with the protocols and all the uncertainty of, of what the season was going to be like and injuries. And we needed the bodies that that we had to to be an effective team. Now with the protocols lessening, I mean, obviously that's not for sure for how long because we all know that this hasn't been anything but expected. But maybe now that the the protocols are lightening up, all this kind of stuff like that, maybe you start selling away some of these pieces, like you said, an Athens CU, um, you know, a Grunstrom, a Leas Anderson if he's healthy to a team that maybe needs, you know, Leas Anderson could be a, a, a bottom line player on a team because he has that grit. Grunstrom shown he can do that. Athens CU has been a uh, a guy that's been on multiple teams and can show scoring touch when he's on the ice. Get those assets. We've seen in the offseason, in the draft this last year, they, they moved up more than once to get quality over quantity in the picks. You could also use those picks to buy, said Jacob Chikrin, right? And you're just creating more assets to to use that. Um, and, you know, not saying that these guys would fetch a second or a third rounder or, or whatever, but they might, you know, teams are desperate and, and cap strapped and everything like that. Cause the Kings could still eat some of their caps since they're or one year deals um, and, and, and do the, those situations. But, you know, like, you know, West coast said, or a couple of people said, and, and what we'd like to see is we'd like to see a couple of these guys like Kachev, like Velarde, et cetera, et cetera, maybe push the offensive uh, needle a little bit towards the end of the year, playoff experience more than getting a guy that's going to be gone next year. Anyways, uh, on our lineup and and see what that what that leads to because I think ultimately eventually you're going to have to be a mama bird and kick these guys out of the nest and see what they can and and you 
you're never going to do that with the logjam they have. And I think they went into the season with the logjam because of the fact that because of the fact that there was so much uncertainty of how the season would end out. You have so many guys that are on similar talent levels, like Moore and Grunstrom and all these guys. So who rises to the occasion? Who falls down? You know, how many players are you actually going to need? Is there going to be a taxi squad? Is there not going to be a taxi squad? All these kind of things that come in, um, you know, into the the stratosphere of what a team could be. I think you look at, I think that might be the best aspect is to kind of trade away, open up some room, open up some breathing room for the team and, and see what these prospects can do. Well, take the Riley Smith, like Kiff said. I think Riley Smith would be a really interesting player. But so what does he cost? And what is he is he is he just adding to the blockage of of guys that is it better to get Riley Smith for a push or is it better to get like looking a little bit more longer term to get somebody like a Velarde or a Turcotte or a Fagimo that ice time or a Kupari that ice time? I, that's more of a hypothetical. But it's not because you actually you know my opinion. I just said I'd rather the younger guys because I don't think the Kings are cup contenders this year. So that's why I don't know that I would go that route personally, but. I, I think at some point there's got to, something's going to have to give here with with the amount of players both in the NHL and the HL. Yeah. So I, I think the Riley Smith idea in my mind was was very much what you were saying. Like I didn't really elaborate on it very much, show, but like you know the idea being that that Vegas 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 was one I was looking at because the, the, they have to shed salary cap. Yes. I mean, they've got they've got yes. like twenty eight percent of the salary cap in three players. So and they Michael's have to get rid of Smith there. anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. You know, they, they have to get rid of players anyway. So basically what you do is not necessarily try to fleece them, but, you know, maybe say, okay, well, we'll take Smith, you know, and for that, we, you know, we'll give you like a fourth round pick, mm-hmm. but you take Athens CU and give us a third. You know what I mean? Got so you. like you're kind of you're kind of doing Got the even you. trade. We let Athens see you go. We we know we're not going to re-sign Riley Smith at that point. He's 30 years gotcha. old right now. You know, and you just kind of let it go. But then you have that extra pick to either make a pick. You know, we just mm-hmm. saw a comment that said yeah. get another third round pick for one of the best goalies <laughs> in the draft, or you add that as part of the Chickren package or the Sharat package or whatever we decide to do, or the Carson Susie package because I was all <laughs> in for that. Whoever wrote that, that was awesome. Like I was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe have the Kings already made their biggest deadline acquisition and adding Quentin Byfield to the roster. I mean, <laughs> Gabe Velarde. Gabe Velarde. I mean, yeah, Gabe or Velarde. bring up Gabe Velarde. Yeah, so maybe I, I, I kind of agree with Joe. I mean, yeah, you can add, but why don't, we haven't seen Andreas happen to see you in the lineup that often. Maybe float his name out there and see. Maybe there is that desperate team that'll pay. He's, his contract's not that expensive. I think it's only yeah. 3.5 mil. And now with a valuable bottom six guy and a contender, right? Yeah. For yeah, sure. I mean, and, and if the Kings are still contending too, you want to keep them around. So, I mean, it's kind of like you got to balance a little bit because yeah, it's yeah. just hard right now for the Kings. There's still 17 games to the deadline, so there's still some time to go. It's yeah. tough to. It's tough. That's the and that's a really good point. It's really tough to sell to the fan base selling FNC yeah, exactly. when you're in. Like I, I fully acknowledge that, right? Um, but I guess I would just end this with. I'm of the belief that if you can strike gold on a big defenseman, do it. Otherwise, I think we have an entire crop of forwards that I don't think you need to go shopping for a forward. I mean, and, and I, I would rather see them give the looks to Velarde, Turcotte, Kapari, Fagimo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're going to make a trade, be it on the blue line. All right. So let's go into, let's go into our last topic here. We're at an hour and a half pushing it. Appreciate you guys in the chat. Keeping it lively in there. We love seeing you guys uh, conversating there. Let's go with standings and season predictions. Obviously, any way you chop it right now, uh, outside the scores uh, of, of tonight, 
uh, being Tuesday. The Kings are in third place, either by points or points percentage. Um, you know, so where did you think the Kings would be coming into the season? Is this right where you guys expected? And then, you know, outside of some major acquisition like a Chikrin or, or whoever, where do you think the, the, the Kings reasonably end up? Uh, Kiffin, why don't you start this one off? Um, so coming in, bubble team. You know, wild card. Absolutely. I, I, I knew, I knew that things were in place. You know, the system was working, the draft picks were coming in, you know, and we have, we have more skill in our, more skill in our pool than a lot of other people. So we, we were going to get to a wild card. Now, now that I've seen the team and I've seen the character and the identity third place, um, we're, we're, we're third place in the division and uh, my overall, how the regular season ends up, we, we end up in the playoffs third place and we probably get bounced out in the first round. Uh, Russell brought up, you know, the, the build up to 2012. The first one was the first issue or the first, the first year was 2010 and we got bounced out in the first round. So, you know, it's follow the pattern. So that's, that's kind of where I think third place and we're out in the first, but I'm happy with that. I agree. I'm, I'm happy with that, but it's the right way to go. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, I think if the Kings are kind of just contending toward the end of the season, since it's more of a longer season now, and we've started to see improvement from the middle veterans from Kempe, Ayafalo, Matt Roy, and we're starting to see some young players added to the lineup, I think you have to be kind of happy with the way the Kings season's going so far. I had them pegged as a wild card team, and I, I think the I think that's kind of where they're going to end up, end up at. And if you look at the standings right now, I mean, there's, the, there's going to be four teams that make the playoffs from the Central. That's obvious. I mean, you have Colorado, Nashville, the Wild, and the Blues. Those teams are going to make it. And then in the Pacific Division, I think the top three are pretty much already set. I think you're looking at Vegas. I think you're looking at Calgary. And I think Edmonton will put itself together and make it in there. So the Kings really only have to beat out the Ducks, the Sharks, and probably looking at the Stars or maybe the Jets make a run. So um, there's there's an opportunity here for the Kings. I mean, if you only have to beat out – the Ducks, who are kind of an up-and-down team, really young. And then the Stars, who are trying to figure out if they're sellers or not at the, the trade deadline. And the Sharks are kind of still rebuilding. I think there's a good opportunity for the Kings to grab a spot and just kind of just foot, put their foot in the door for the playoffs. If they get swept or lose 4-1 in the first round, I mean, yeah, that'll be a little disheartening. But, I mean, at least they made it and they made some improvements this year, and you're happy with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm... – Right along with what Russ is, what Russ is saying, like I, I didn't have, I did not think this was a playoff team. I thought they'd be in contention, right? I thought they would be, but I thought the Central was so strong that they would have had to crack the top three of the Pacific, and I just didn't think that they were quite ready to catch a Calgary or an Edmonton. And as Russ was alluding to, I still kind of think that those two are probably favorites for two, three right now, but the Kings are, are, you know, going to keep themselves in the hunt at least. But I think they're catching a break with some of the central teams being a little bit down and the Kings are very much in this. Um, so I would say I am very pleasantly surprised with where they are right now. Will they make it? Listen, I tend to be a buyer in when it comes to possession statistics and expected goals, and they are in the top 10 across the board and sometimes higher, particularly when you look at the last couple of months of the season. So it's hard to say that this team isn't legit and isn't for real in terms of being a, a uh, playoff team. So I think they can squeak in um, whether it's, whether they can hold on to one of those top, you know, the second or third spot in the division. We'll see those, those Canadian teams have a lot of games in hand, which could make things tough or playing a lot of times, a lot of games in a short amount of time, isn't necessarily a good thing either. So 
uh, that could work out against him. But um, I think that they have at very least have, have established themselves as a team that's have a, a legitimate playoff contender, which I, I wasn't sure if they were coming into the season. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna round this one out. I think I'm gonna go a little bit more optimistic on this one. And 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 my reason is this I think you see a progression from Byfield as the season goes along. I think the the numbers being more of a consistent defensively team five on five is gonna work in our benefit. You see uh Russell said we have probably the best goal goalie tandem in the Pacific. I think we probably get in it as that three seed. Now who's gonna be that two? Is it gonna be the Ducks, Edmonton, or Calgary? None of those teams really scare me from a definitive point of, hey, we're for sure getting swept or we're for sure 4-1. And so I think that they have an opportunity to win one round this season if there's some jumps uh, on, on some players on the team, if the goaltending improves from Cal Peterson. So there's a lot of ifs in my prediction, uh, but I don't see, think that it's impossible, depending on the matchup, that we don't win a, a series this year. Obviously, if we get a good big trade piece that could change that, obviously those teams could get big trade pieces as well. So, you know, we're going to see how after the deadline comes in. But, you know, I, I don't I don't foresee that there's not a chance that we don't win a series. And I like the fact the way our team's built defensively, Corsi 4 style of play. I don't think that goes uh, as hot and cold as you may seem. We're already shooting like crap. We're already having bad special teams. And so if those improve, Kyle uh, – or Kyle – Quentin Byfield improves his play as he's getting more and more time. Uh, and maybe we see another youngster come up like a Velarde come in and get, get us some more scoring. I don't see a reason why not. We couldn't beat one of those three teams that I mentioned, whether it's, whether it's ducks or Calgary or Edmonton as the two seed and um, you know, and, and beat them in the first round. It might be a tight series, but I don't see a reason why we couldn't, they don't scare me that much. So I'm going to say finishing around third and, and getting that upset in the first round and, and getting some play, more playoff hockey. Yeah, I think just overall, you just have to be happy if you're a Kings fan because yes. you're starting to see that next core start to develop right now. And then, I mean, tra- transport me to five years from now when we see Brant Clark and Martin Kromiak and Arthur Kaliev and Quentin Byfield fully developed, man, because, man, I mean, there's talent coming. Brant Clark mm-hmm. just looks amazing. So I'm I'm really I'm, – I'm happy as a Kings fan with the way that this season's going so far. And I think – it, you're, you're starting to see the team play well with the team, the players that you're expecting to play well. And with the talent that's coming in, coming in, as maybe we see Brock Faber makes crack the lineup. Look at what Jordan Spence doing in Ontario. You guys are talking about him yep. on the Make It a Rain podcast. So, And then with Brant Clark coming in next year, watch out. Kings are coming. They're deep on, they're deep on that right side. So, man, what episode? Hey, fans, thank you for, for coming in. As uh, always, this is Hockey Royalty. You can find all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. We have merch now. So go ahead, like, Joe, if you want to show the, show the T-shirt there. You got the hockey sticks merch. We're going to be sport, sporting some of those. Sweet jersey by Kiffin there. Uh, uh, we, uh, every week, we also have the Making It Rain podcast with Joe where we talk about all the rain stuff. We are going to be doing a Midway Point season podcast this week. So double up, guys. Come on in. And uh, and and uh, talk some rain with us on Thursday, right, Joe's when we're doing that one? You got it. All right, we're doing it on Thursday there. So come in, get your questions ready. Uh, uh, Kiffin, where, where can they find you on Twitter, my man? Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at uh, McGinnis Teaches, I believe. Yeah, McGinnis Teaches. <laughs> and Russell, where can they find you, my man? Uh, find me at NHL Russell. Go ahead, Joe. At JW Paterino. 
And uh, I'm at Rando Commando 24. Thanks again, guys, for coming in. Uh, all of our podcasts are right uh, where you find all your podcasts. And we're going to be doing these live YouTube stuff uh, more often. We love uh, hearing from you guys. If you guys got any questions, please hit us up on Twitter. And we can we love throwing you guys in the chat and, and seeing everything there. Uh, and as always, go Kings, go. Thanks, everybody. Go Kings. Thanks, Thanks everybody, for hopping in. Yeah, appreciate it.